Hello, everyone. Welcome to Room 237. This is our companion podcast to Room 217. I'm John. That's I'm my wife, Whitney. Here Hi. we are. We're going to talk Salem's Lot or the adaptations of Salem's Lot. We read the book recently. Wonderful. Loved it. That podcast is available. We are now talking the adaptations. There are three 1979 miniseries an ill-advised sequel from 1987, and then another miniseries in 2004. Also ill-advised. <laughs> to some degree, yes. But either way, let's start with 1979. All right. This was obviously released in 1979 on CBS. Toby Hooper directed it. Directed it. Toby Hooper did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist. Life Force, a bunch of stuff, though it's debated how much he really directed Poltergeist. Most people think Steven Spielberg actually did it, but either way, Toby Hooper, he's a fairly okay director. He had a he had a couple of hits, but generally a bunch of trash. That doesn't matter though. Anyways, it also stars David Soul. He was in Starsky and Hutch. He played Hutch. Mm -hmm. Has James Mason in it. He was in things like A Star Is Born, North by Northwest, and. All kinds of other stuff. He was probably the biggest cast member. Uh, Fred Willard's first role. Oh, Fred. And then, of course, my personal little favorite thing in this is Bonnie Bedelia, or as I know her, Holly Gennaro from the Die Hard Holly movies. Holly McLean. Yeah, but she goes by Gennaro, and it's a big plot okay, point in the okay. movie. So don't I'm, even I'm get me started sorry. on that. If you ever move to L.A. and then go by your maiden name, we're done. <laughs> Until I get trapped by... I'm like yeah I'll save you after okay. that Thank but you. it's gonna I'm gonna have to really think about it for a while <laughs> it's like that bitch change her neck anyways mm -hmm. those are some uh, little tidbits about this here's the plot it's not it's weird like when you give the gist of this plot it just kind of sounds like the book yeah but there's a lot in the crevasses it's very different Deep and thin crevasses <laughs> is what they are. All right. So here is the plot. I'm just going to run through this real quick. Just kind of give you a general overview, so to speak. Salem 79 opens with Ben and Mark in Guatemala. They're bottling up holy water because that's just what you do when you're in Guatemala, as far as I know. Um, Best holy water. The holiest. <laughs> it starts to glow. They say, oh, no, we've been found. The film then flashes back to Ben arriving in Salem's lot. He spends a weird amount of time kind of staring at the Marston house. He wants it. He can't have it, though, because it's already been acquired by Straker and Barlow, a couple of new people in town. Um, eventually, he meets Susan. He gets kind of friendly with her, immediately meets her parents, which is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, he then meets her dad, Dr. Norton, because there is no Dr. Jimmy Cody in this. He's replaced by the character of Dr. Norton, Susan's dad. He also meets up with Jason Burke, who replaces Matt Burke mm -hmm. in the book. Jason is his former professor. Mm -hmm. So that's how they're connected. Uh, he is also, he's not really aware of Mark just yet, but Mark is one of Jason's students. Strange stuff starts to happen. A lot of them figure out that they're vampires taking over Salem's lot and that Straker and Barlow at the center of it. Mark, on his own, figures out that this same thing is happening. Mark's parents get killed. 
He uses this as an excuse to get to the Marston house. There he runs into Susan. They break into it together. They get caught by Straker. Ben and Dr. Norton eventually show up. Jason is out of the picture at this point due to a heart attack. Dr. Norton gets killed by Straker on some deer antlers, as can happen. Uh, ben frees Mark. They escape the Marston house. Susan's nowhere to be found. They set the Marston house on fire. And then they kind of leave going, oh, hey, that's okay, because it'll burn the rest of the town down and all the vampires will die. Flashback to Guatemala. Ben and Mark are there. The holy water's glowing. As it turns out, it's old Susie Norton coming mm. to get all. She comes to the neck, essentially, with Ben. Yeah. But like in a the love is deep, naughty still. vampire way. Yeah. But Ben is like, I'm on to your games, bitch. And he stabs her. The movie ends uh, with Ben and Mark kind of running off together so in a platonic way (laughs) (laughs) that we know of they're both very tan in this so it's possible they could have had sunning on the beach just hanging out together just really falling in love i don't know i hated their tans (laughs) and i hated their blondness it was a big the first jarring point to me (laughs) that the first thing you see is oh they're way too tan and they're way too blonde for this (laughs) And well, let's I don't like let's it. jump into I mean, obviously, like I said, the gist of this is pretty much the gist of the book. Yes. Ben comes to town. Crazy shit happens. They realize it's vampires. People die. People get turned. Ben and Mark leave together in the end. Mm-hmm. That is essentially the book. However, like I said, the details in between all of this are very different. So let's talk kind of low lights to begin, because I think one of the of the downsides one of the downside one of the downsides yeah, yeah i don't know what's happening now but okay. um i'm turning into a vampire well, uh, daylight so do it quick <laughs> or slow one of the things here that doesn't work though for me at least is that there's a lot that's different that doesn't necessarily seem like it needs to be different like a lot of the character names and then mm-hmm. a lot of the minor plot points in the book that work really well are just gone here yeah They're just deleted out and they don't exist at all so What's some other stuff, though, that you weren't a big fan of? Um, The pacing of this movie is really slow for me. A lot of stuff takes way too long, way too much time to do. Like, there is a part where Jason, a.k.a. Matt Burke, um, has a heart attack when he sees Mike Ryerson. And the heart attack takes at least, like, a (laughs) full-on minute. And he's just clutching his chest, falling onto the bed fucking taking forever to have this stupid heart attack but then you know in the same amount of time at the very beginning of the movie uh ben meets susan and then he's at her parents house for dinner and they're in love it happens just as quickly and that really bothered me and really made me instantly hate the movie yeah it's kind of as you said as we were watching it which was that i wish i could watch this with the commercials it's almost like the movie or the TV series essentially is made for commercials. But yep. when you take all of that out and you're just showing these scenes all together, it's like this is taking forever. But it's probably because there was like a four minute commercial break. Yeah. When Jason started his heart attack, then you were supposed to come back and be like, oh, yeah, oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. Let's go back 30 seconds so right. we can put you I was back watching in the mood. commercials and yeah. I, now i want a big mac but i forgot uh-huh. about jason i was gonna say fruity pebbles either or it's fine but jason's been dying that whole time 
Yeah. It's a very realistic heart attack. <laughs> it takes him 10 minutes. <laughs> he just, he actually dials 911 on his right. own because he's still pretty conscious. Yeah, uh. the, the pacing here is is very odd in this, obviously because it's a miniseries and they want to you know stretch it out so that you watch multiple weeks of Mm-hmm. You know, Ben and the gang just. This is only a two-part series, out. though. That's multiple weeks. One, One two. two. Okay, fine. All right. Okay. Mathematician. I feel like back in the day, though, they maybe I'm wrong. I feel like the mini series stuff would be done like Monday, Tuesday. Like it was. No, it was all once together. a week, and the first part was always a little slow. Mm-hmm. And then it would end on a huge cliffhanger. It'd be like, it's just about to get interesting. Tune in next week. It was like every time. Yep. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the pacing is definitely off. But I d- definitely did think, you know, kind of like what you were saying is, why is some of this stuff so kind of quickly done? Like Ben meets Susan and she's like, come over for dinner. And then mm-hmm. the next night they are at her parents' house eating dinner. And I'm like, I would not want to meet your parents yeah. on the first date. That would have been a red flag and to me. And Dr. Not Jimmy Cody, right, her dad. Dr. Norton. Dr. Norton is like, yeah, I think this is a good guy like him. And, yeah. and Ben instantly hit it off the bat, which, I mean, kind of happens a little in the book. But the thing like in is the that... Book, her father more just tolerates him. Yeah. He's like, ah, fine. And her dad's like a good old boy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this jim norton or this norton dr norton is <laughs> jim norton, jim norton sorry comedian <laughs> yeah he's here and he's uh, not very good dr norton uh, the thing about that relationship is that in the movie they have to also be very close kind of friends with each other right. since they go through this vampire hunting thing together so it i don't know it just didn't work for me yeah at all and Jimmy was in the book probably my second favorite character. He's a really he great. Might be my third after Mark. I know that like Ben and Matt in the book are kind of scholars, so mm-hmm. when they talk and discuss things, you're like, okay, they're figuring things out, but they're also writers, and you know yeah. they have that imagination. And Jimmy is just a doctor. So in the book, it works really well because Jimmy is just constantly like, well, hold on a minute, yeah. and you know, and it's great. And this Doctor Norton, he doesn't really do a lot he's kind of the third wheel yeah and Um, he's more invested in it i think because of his because of susan right but like he yeah i i just mm -mm. yeah the pacing is off a lot of storylines are gone which i know needs to happen but there's just it's just kind of some weird stuff I, i think this movie could have used jimmy um but there's also you know like we said there's just a lot of kind of strange little I think Changes. all of the actor choices were pretty much terrible. Right. Like nobody looks like who I imagine them looking like, except for Susan Norton. Right. Mark Petrie is ten years older than he should be. Yep. He's probably twenty in real life when this is made, <laughs> playing probably more like a fourteen or fifteen year when old they instead have him of in the parts where he is in Salem's lot, he does look like fairly young, but for some reason, the super tan version of him just—he literally looks like a just a short, older man. You. <laughs> it was very, very weird. It it did not look good. I I I did not like that. I know you had pointed out when we were watching it that 
Mark's parents don't really like him. They think he's a fucking nerd weirdo yeah. who's into music. They spend a lot of time. Magic. Yeah, music. Music and magic. And boys in there I know, listening right? to music again. But yeah, they constantly kind of badger him. Like, when are you going to grow out of this stuff? And mm-hmm. that's all very weird characterizations for them because in the book, they're so supportive. So when they get killed, you're like, oh, my God, Mark's yeah. parents are awesome. And now they're dead. And Mark's weirdness in the book is what ultimately saves him right. in this first go around I don't even know with if he's a vampire. Necessarily weird in the book no. as much as he is just kind of aware of things that most kids his age aren't aware of when it comes to themselves or how other people are like he's just very perceptive. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did not like the way they change his parents. And then also. They get slow-mo killed, and it's just the funniest thing. It is. It's it, like <laughs> it's like if you had two dollies and you like made them kiss almost like right. as a kid. It's like very gently, gentle. the two the parents when Barlow comes into the Petri house and comes to in the book, he smashes their fucking skulls together right. and they die. Right. Yeah. Which is horrifying. And then in the movie, it's like they come towards each other very slowly and kind of hit the sides of their faces like it's lightly very, brush it's very much like barlow is gonna go now kiss yeah but now he does kiss. it and said they just kind of smush ears and, and then, then they die dead presumed dead <laughs> speaking of barlow he is one of my least favorite things about yep. salem 79 because he's not a i say a person he's not someone who talks or has any sort of imposing nature about him. He's not intelligent. Right. He's essentially a Nosferatu ripoff. And he just hisses. And he has kind of weird, big, strange buck teeth. Yeah. Um, he's like he, a zombie. Yeah, he sucks. He does. I did not like that. Uh, Straker does not look how I want him to look. But he kind of fills the role of both Barlow and Straker from the book. Mm-hmm. In that he's always kind of around. And has to almost kind of narrate little nose yeah. bark. Barlow's intentions are yeah that's kind of weird but he James Mason does a good job in that role he is creepy um but he has to do everything that Barlow does in the book so when Barlow flies into Mark's house kills his parents you're like oh wow and then he just goes "Eh." yeah and then Straker (laughs) just comes in from another room and he's like do you know why that happened and everyone's like no we can't understand him and it's just weird let me translate know. for my weird little friend. Right. I feel like Straker is his caretaker, caregiver more so. And he's like, all right, now we're going to move over to America. <laughs> I'm going to get this like old creepy house and you can just feed on the townspeople. Right. It's very strange. And I read that they wanted, uh, you know, the guys behind who wrote the movie and developed and all that stuff, that they wanted a more kind of monster than kind of like somebody who would be smooth or talk like they didn't want the whole you know whole like widows be dracula type thing and i'm like but that's what barlow was in the movie exactly and king's original vision for the book was what would happen if dracula came back in modern times Mm -hmm. so why would you take that away that's like one of the most important parts so the the, yeah those are low lights 100 percent across the board here you know like there was a lot with this that i just really was not all that into but i don't think that it's straight up terrible it's just i disagree not the adaptation that i think i was looking for there is some stuff here that is pretty cool i think the marston house looks like i imagined it looked yes that is one thing they got right marston house looks right 
its location to the town is right. right. Like it's it's a creepy spot for sure. Yeah. The Marston house is a win. Great. You got one thing right. <laughs> no, I think the Glick boy hovering okay. outside yeah, the yeah, window yeah. and pawing at the glass is an iconic shot. That's pretty cool. Yes. And that happens multiple times. They love they love a good dead kid floating outside of a second story window That's shot. <laughs> and it happens twice the first time with the youngest Glick boy coming to get his brother. And the second time is the brother well, turned coming to get generally really Mark like Petrie. windows in this. They As you do. noted while we were watching it, a lot of people just fall out of windows. Second story. Either somebody is pawing out a window. window falling out. Or people are just falling out of them. It's like, yeah. stay away from windows. They're worse than the vampires. They must have had so much money to spend on windows <laughs> in this movie. Because yeah. all of them got broken. Windows are weirdly cheap. You don't know that. You're, That's not you're, true. You're not into windows. I've like, broken a window. I'm into windows it's and you're cheap. not. And I would know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I love the look of the Marston house. Yes. The iconic shot with the boy floating outside the window is awesome. Uh, I do like that they did a little bit of the Ben and Jason kind of back and forth where they're like, do you understand what it would mean for you to say that there are vampires here? Mm -hmm. You know, I like that that happens that's some of my favorite parts in the book where every time someone else new kind of gets roped in they kind of rehash all the point plot sure. points it's like they over and over again have to say it so that they can believe it and that part does happen in the movie and i did like that the unfortunate part about it is that when ben and jason matt are talking about it they're doing it in like a fucking malt shop or something eating <laughs> cheeseburgers instead of being real people hanging out at a fucking bar and that bothered me throughout the movie also because you know that's a that's a tiny bitty mm, nothing i'm i'm sorry i love bars and well well i love malts no you don't when was the last time you don't I love malts. No, you don't. I love malts. <laughs> Whatever. Come on, give me a highlight. I know you have something in um, here that you did yes, like. Yes, yes. Uh, Mike Ryerson, even though we didn't find him at a bar. Uh, <laughs> when Jason takes Mike Ryerson in because Mike seems sick and Mike ends up becoming a vampire in his house Jason encountering Mike before his minute-long heart attack. Mike Five minutes. Is, Mike's scene is very scary. He's sitting in the corner over by one of those classic windows he's going to eventually <laughs> get pushed out of, but he's in the dark. His eyes are glowing, and you can just kind of see an almost like greenish outline of his face, and he's like, look at me teacher yeah. and you're like whoa <laughs> and it that part was pretty scary and i agree i liked that i liked the part too where mike is you know he's certain that the glick boy's eyes are open just like in the book yeah, and yep, he's yep. in the cemetery and he's burying him then he has to jump in to check and see if his eyes are open. Right. And then that also brings me to one of the parts that probably should be a low light, but I think it's really funny and it's a highlight for me is that every kill happens in with a zoom and a freeze frame. So Hell yeah. anytime I, yeah. a kill happens, someone like the Glick boy sits up and he goes to, to, to bite Mike and it zooms in real close and then freeze mm -hmm. frames on Mike screaming. And I, I bet they go to commercial every oh, time it happens. Absolutely. And 
I'm telling you, uh, I that was one of my favorite parts. It, it is also even somehow a slower attack. Right. Then a slow attack bl- for then a slow P- movie. Yes, then Petrie's parents getting killed lightly. <laughs> the kid looks like he's going to just very gently peck Mike on the neck. And how funny would that have been? Just a little. If the little boy just kind of give him and a little like, soft kiss, and then right, Mike was right. like, "Wow," <laughs> and then, uh, oh, that would have been even scarier. That would have been cool. Let's go back and redo it. Okay. Perfect. No problem. I would love to do that. Another thing I really liked in this, and I know that it's not like it is in the book, but I liked Susan hunting down Ben and Mark and that little scene they have in the end Okay. where they kind of think they're in the clear and then they find her and then Ben has that little moment where it seems like they really have a connection and then he stabs her right in the heart. All right. I like that part. I thought it was a, a nifty send off. I guess because that does happen technically in the book, you know, when Ben finds her, they have that kind of moment where he hopes that he's going to somehow be able to do something for her and then he just has to kill her. I like that that happened, but it was a little more poetic coming at the very end. Like they kill Barlow and it's like, okay, and then they still have this one last big thing to do, but they've been running from it this whole time. very end jump scare. Yeah. Got her. I mean, it's fine. Bonnie Bedelia. Holly Gennaro. Holly McLean. Holly <laughs> Gennaro. All right. So Salem's Lot, 1979. You're not a big fan at all. I fucking hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute of it. Mostly. There was like three minutes of it that I didn't hate. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you're being harsh on it. I don't care. Okay. I'm going to hate it. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that's some Holly Gennaro stuff right there, just oh, well. disregarding me. I didn't mind 1979. The, I, oddly enough, though, I will say I did have to watch it twice, which is 16 to 17 hours of viewing time mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to this, mainly because the first time I watched it, I wanted it to be kind of something it definitely is not, which is, good. I guess, a bit more fast-paced. And so I kept dozing in and out. I watched it the second time through and was like, oh, okay, I I get why people are into it. I get why it's a bit of a cult classic. Uh, but definitely, I'm not an enormous fan of it, but I think it's okay. It has 88% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics score. Right. But there's only 17 reviews because this shit came out in 1979. Yeah, I, I would throw away that tomato the score. The user rating is 65%, and that's almost 32,000 people rating. Or 65%, I think I said 62 but it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I guess people liked it. People do like it. It's generally positively looked back on. I think there's some rose tinted glasses there. I bet when people were kids, it was, it was scary. Sure. But you know, now people have figured out how to make actual scary things and not Nosferatu, who's blue and just kind of yeah, looks stupid. Blue and like bulgy eyes. He's yeah. just a dumb dumb. <sighs> Yeah, just like lock him away. That seems very easy. Yeah, and just Straker could have gone on with his life running an antique store in mm. a run downtown. Yeah, just lock the coffin. Yeah. Boom. Lock Everybody's the coffin. happy. Yeah. Nah. Anyways, all right. So, 79, you hated it. I thought it was okay. Let's go on to a movie we both loved. Mm hmm. 
but not because it's good. No, it's we love not this good. movie because it is awful. So fun, bad. Mm-hmm. So bad. It's good. This is a return to Salem's Lot. It came out in 1987. Larry Cohen, who did a movie that I really enjoy called The Stuff. It's kind of B-level horror movie. Uh, he wrote and directed A Return to Salem's Lot, which is also a very B-level yep. type horror movie. King had nothing to do with it. The only connection is that it takes place in Salem's Lot. There are no return characters. None of them are mentioned. It's You don't need to watch Salem's Lot to enjoy Mm -hmm. a return to Salem's Lot, which I think is important. The movie stars Michael Moriarty, who was in this stuff. He was also in a bunch of kind of, again, B-level stuff. It's Tara Reid's first movie. And weirdly, Return to... 11. Yes. And then weirdly, a return to Salem's Lot had a tiny, tiny theatrical run, which makes it one of the only movies Mm -hmm. to have a theatrical run as a sequel to a made-for-TV movie. Oh, right. Very weird, because 79 Lot did not go into theaters just for TV, but then the sequel did. I don't know. It's very weird. Anyways, here is the plot for this stupid movie. This is one of the dumbest, dumbest, weirdest, most bizarre, bonkers movie that ever. (laughs) It's got to rank in the upper echelon of just what the fuck is this because i i i don't know what it is all right so here's how it starts we've got our main man joe and joe Mm -hmm. is uh he is an anthropologist and he is off in some foreign country watching a human sacrifice because that's just kind of what you do as an anthropologist sure he's watching this tribe uh, about to sacrifice this person and a boat pulls up with a bunch of people and they're like joe there's an emergency. You need to come get on the phone and you need to like call home right now. And one jo- of the guys who breaks that up says, sorry to take away this bear titty. Right. Because there's, quote, natives. Because there's titties out. And there's tits out. Well, that's actually says, the name of the tribe. Bear titty. Bear titty. You I didn't, just you didn't know it. Fucking ugh. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Go so on. Joe goes to make this very important phone call. He has to miss this human sacrifice, which makes him very angry. But he goes, he hops on the horn, it's his ex-wife, and she's like, hey, your kid's an asshole, you need to come get him. We don't want him anymore. Right, and he's like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, he's an asshole for real. He flies home, he gets off the plane, and who's there? His ex-wife, her new husband, and this kid. And they're like, here, we literally can't wait any longer for you to take this boy. (laughs) You have to take him now. And he's like, what the fuck? Okay. So he takes a kid, and he's like, hey, check it out. Uh, a family member left me a shithole in Maine uh, in Salem's lot, and so we can go stay there, and we'll, we just fix it up and live together. And the kid's like, fuck you, which is like serious. Seriously, he yep. says that. <laughs> so they hop I'm in the car. Smoke a cigarette. And they hop in the car. They drive to Salem's lot. They get there. Sure enough, the house is a shithole. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, this place is a shithole. And he's like, I know, but we're going to fix it up and we're going to be together. And the kid again is like, fuck you. I mean, the dad is, we'll get into it. We will. Okay. Anyways, Joe and the boy, Jeremy, they're, they kind of start settling into the town. What they notice is that there's no one out during the day. It's just a couple of people at like the gas station and kind of essential workplaces. It's like COVID, I guess. <laughs> so they're like, there's no one in this town, which is kind of weird, but whatever. Then at night, there's people everywhere and they realize that 
the town has been overtaken by vampires. Bum, bum, bum. There it is. The vampires have taken over the town, and the people they have working during the day are drones. They just run the town, make sure people pass through, and that's like it. They don't do anything else. And then at night, these vampires have set up a legit town, like town hall meetings, weddings. School. Yes, school. Um, they have a whole like society set up where they um, you know, just live together. And they uh, they suck cow blood, not human blood, because, you know, they're civilized. They are. So these vampires are all like, what's up, Joe and Jeremy? We know you're not vamps, but there's a vamp society. And then they're like, wait, Joe, are you an anthropologist? My God. No way, Joe. And he's like, I am. But he says it kind of like dick because he is a dick. He's an asshole. Right. And Jeremy, they were like, Jeremy. And he's like, fuck you, because that's all this kid says the whole movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're like, Joe, you're an anthropologist. We want you to write our Bible. The vamps are like, we're civilized. We belong in this world. And because you know about societies, we want you to write about our vampire society and then publish it so that the world will be like, hey, they're cool people. Let's let them do their thing. (laughs) That's what this movie is about. A society of vampires who want an anthropologist to write about them so that they will be accepted into the world. A lot of really weird shit happens after that. Joe knocks up a girl. I think yeah, Jeremy like gets laid. I'm not pregnant. entirely sure if he and Tara, Tara Reed have sex or not. I think they do. They're Anyways, 11. at some point, a Nazi hunter shows up. His name is Van Meer. Van Meer rolls into town, and Jeremy is slowly turning into a vampire, even though he has not been bit. It's just like a choice he makes. And he's just slowly becoming... Maybe this is like a, you know, metaphor for puberty. Maybe. So Jeremy's slowly becoming a vampire. Joe is just banging this chick. He's kind of getting weird. Van Meer rolls into town. He hunts Nazis. But for some reason, he's like, I'll help you hunt some... Hunt vampires. Some vampires. So they start killing vampires. Uh, Eventually, Jeremy snaps out of it. And he helps Joe kill the main vampire at the end of the movie. And he kills this main vampire with a flagpole that has an American flag on it. Because... Because I'm proud to be an American. And I guess vampires are like... Was the judge a Nazi? Like, did he escape and start the... I think that there is... I think the movie was trying to say, hey, uh, this sort of like communal thing is very Nazi-ish or something. That's why the Nazi hunter shows up and just so easily fits in to killing all these people. And then in the end... Lady Liberty, that flag, kills Thanks, the judge. Betsy Ross. And then Joe and Jeremy and the Nazi killer, Van Meer, all hop in a bus and go for a ride at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's this movie, the most bonkers movie ever. I don't know who, how anyone came up with the plot for this. Well, I don't know what Larry Cohen was smoking, but this do movie you, is insane. Do you think that somebody had this idea for just a vampire movie in general and they were like i got this we'll call it a return to salem probably marketing thing yeah makes sense i literally for this oh you know i have everything divided up into kind of like highlights lowlights and for lowlights i wrote nothing nothing because everything in this is a highlight because it is like head scratchingly weird so weird and it's so funny it's a brisk movie it's like an hour and a half and right from the start with the human sacrifice like you said you know that gets broken up and 
Joe has to make that call and someone makes kind of like a shitty comment to him and he goes, Hey, you've got something in your eye. And the guy goes, what? And he goes, me. And he just punches him in the eye. Fucking Joe. And right from the start, you're like, what? what is this? And then when he goes, he meets his kid for the first time. I think they're meeting for the first time. He does not act like he knows this boy at all. Well, the mom says to Joe, when he gets to the airport, like, I bet you can't even pick him out of a crowd. Right. And then she's like, goodbye. I don't want him. Yeah, it's very weird. But he goes over to to Jeremy. Joe goes over to Jeremy and he's like, hey, uh, are you all right? Uh, I'm your dad. And the kid goes, didn't they tell you? I'm fucked up. And it's like, what the? Why would you? What's going on? He says he's fucked up like this kid. And I want to say he does look like an actual Bart Simpson, (laughs) but kind of more like with a little bit of a mullet in the back, but blonde, spiky haired, bratty little shit. And a total asshole. He smokes cigarettes though, which makes him cool automatically. Yeah. They get in the car to drive to Salem's lot. And the first thing he does, he just lights up and he's like his dad, every time his dad, dad tries to talk to him, he's just like, fuck you, man. He's yeah. just smoking cigarettes. You don't know my life. They should have had him say, eat my shorts. That would have really worked. I mean, well, it was 87. How big were the Simpsons in the 87? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But either way, it's very odd. They don't seem to like each other at all. But once they get to Salem's Lot, it's like they try to kind of be father-son in a weird way. But right away, they... They sort of get divided yeah. and conquered by these vampires and just a lot of very strange, hilarious shit uh, happens once they kind of get separated, which Jeremy goes off with Tara Reed. Mm-hmm. And they have like kids getting married in this movie, but they're vampires. So they've been kids for who knows how long. Yeah. I wonder if it's just yeah turned children who are like i just want to fuck but then for some reason all of the vamp older vampires are like no you have to be married first no they they're vampires they've been alive a long time i know but like why are they getting married because they're old yeah but like and they were they're why like, do they hey, care about marriage as too, an institution but you look young. that's what i want to know why does marriage exist in the vampire community? Because at all? they want to fit into the society of the world, and marriage is a tradition. Okay, so why does baby vampire Tara Reed want to she's marry? She's eleven. She's a full-grown woman. Yeah, but she's go. She should be going after a man then, or another vampire her age. But instead, she's going after Jeremy. Well, they know that Joe's. Bart Simpson. I mean, clearly Jeremy is going to turn into a vampire. Yeah, but he's still 11 in the brain. That's okay. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. You're 11. Yes. Going on (laughs) who knows how much, right? Mm -hmm. You get little sexy Bart Simpson boy rolls into town. And he's smoking cigarettes. And everything you say, he's like, hey, fuck you. (laughs) That's a bad boy. Every girl wants a bad boy. No. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Also, sexy Bart Simpson is a weird thing to say. Rule 34. You <laughs> know it. I don't like it. <laughs> Either way, this movie, oh my God, there's so many things. You know, there's a cop. He's one of the drones. Mm-hmm. We never see him drive on any roads. All he, the cops are drones. He just, for some reason, yeah. like at the start, Joe and Jeremy arrive at the house and they're standing in their backyard, which is just a huge field. 
And out of nowhere, the cop car just pulls up in the field. Yep. And he's like, hey, boys, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? Why are you driving in the field? <laughs> yep. Straight up field driving. It's very odd. He does um, not use roads. But we got Jeremy off of Tara Reed. We mm-hmm. don't really know what they're doing. And then we got Joe. This is the night they got there. Right. <laughs> it and all happens like that. Joe ends up in, in like embroiled in a, a number of things. Because... In another scene, it's nightfall. This group of punk kids gets pulled over by one of the cops. And then the cop drones. And then, oh, my God, a vampire comes. And this group of bratty teens disperses. All of them get picked off by various vampires. (laughs) It's fucking great. Everybody is like rad bitchin' hair and like all leather and stuff. And this one girl is told that she needs to go to the to Joe's house basically and she shows up at Joe's house and Joe's like holy shit uh okay and then like right after that the drone cop shows up and he's like you need to take her to the judge and so they go to the judge's house all three of them and at the judge's house they're like great thanks we're gonna eat this bitch by the way we're (laughs) vampires also here's this hot vampire that we want you to fuck and within that like 30 minute time frame all of it actually does like not in the movie 30 minutes in the movie it's probably like 15 minutes they stretch it out okay but (laughs) in in joe's world it probably took 30 minutes for him to get to the house have that girl he saved get taken and then him fucking this lady vampire who he basically instantly impregnates right and she's in love with him mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. obsessed with him and at the same time joe's son is jeremy meeting tara reed yes interested they in have her. to discuss the wedding yes and then they go to this weird wedding right and and the, the the best part about all of Joe's shenanigans and Jeremy's dealings with Tara Reed is that the next morning after this, Jeremy is in like a good mood and he's been a shithead this whole mm-hmm. time. Anytime anyone's like, "Fuck you, man!" Well, he's just angry. He's smoking cigarettes. He's just angry, so angry. And yeah. the next morning, he's in a good mood, and Joe is like weirded out by the fact that his child is smiling. He's never seen him smile, which so I get it, but he. <laughs> Leans over to Jeremy and he goes, "Hey, did you get laid last night?" Ooh, what? Father is to son happening. Father to eleven-year-old son. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, he's like, "You did you get, did you get laid, laid last night?" Last night, and he doesn't say it like creepy, and he doesn't say it. It's like um, they're like bros. a joke. Yeah, he just says it like. <laughs> he's like proud of you, son. Yeah. Uh, Getting your dick wet at 11, that's great. Mm, mm, mm. So this movie just is so bizarre. It has nothing to do with the original movie. It's so out of left field. Every moment is just hilarious Mm -hmm. because it's so bad, so good. The monster effects are awful. When the main judge vampire guy turns, he's just sort of like a blobby blue guy. Yeah. But I loved I loved all the makeup in it. I thought it was great. They don't <laughs> shy away from like any fake blood usage. No. There's, they didn't have the budget to. No. Clearly. There's all that. There's the like face melting to a skull, melting to like nothing, that kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. Um I loved <laughs> 
we touched on it briefly, but they do raise cows for blood, but they don't drain them all the way. No, so they just sort of the, torture them like, night after yeah. night. <laughs> they're like, so really, it's not even as bad as what you do to cows, like eating, right. killing them for the meat. Like we sustain. Yeah, it's like vegan, vegan vampires. Sure. Oh, God. I hate that. Um, I hate that I said that. Vegan vampires. I, and it was also weird, too, that a lot of the people there, Joe grew up with. So yeah. he, like, runs into them, and he's like, holy shit, I know you. You haven't aged. Yeah. <laughs> he, someone who, when he first goes to the judge's house and fucks that chick, one of the house workers is his aunt who left him yeah. the house that they moved into. Right. And she's like, oh, yeah, what's up? I know I look the same. It's he's because I'm a vampire. well aware at that point that they're vampires. And he's just and like, he's still like, Who? holy shit, how do you look the same? Yeah. And it's like, Joe, you're an anthropologist. If you're going to write their Bible, we need you to tune in. Tune in, Joe. Here's my, I have two favorite parts of this movie that really stuck with me. Um, one is after the judge meets <laughs> uh, Joe. Joe. I wanted to call him Ben. I know. His name is not Ben. But uh, he meets Joe. The judge and his wife are getting ready to go to bed. They got their two coffins. Side-by-side mm-hmm. side coffins. Side-by-side side, twin coffins because they want to do it like traditional you know, old rich yes, people style. Not one big not, king size coffin. Right. What I would have, I would have a California king coffin. Yeah. That's me though. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Could I s- sleep in it or? Yeah, I'm going to need your help to, oh, I assume the lid yeah, would be really true. heavy really on heavy. that. Thank so you. I would need, yeah. I mean, it's a two person. That's why you would want. Yeah, it's a okay. team lift. Okay. You know, I'm anyways. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. I hope you would remember it. Mm. Fucking Holly Gennaro. Anyways. <laughs> All right. They're getting ready for bed. We got Judge. He's here. Lady Judge over here. They're in their side-by-side coffins. And she's like, are you sure that old Joe is going to be able to do this? Are you sure he won't turn on us, betray us? And he's like, no, I, you know, I really like this guy. And he says this classic line. Classic line to you and me because so I don't know good. if anyone's ever seen this it's movie. So but he says, if he loves us, he'll be my successor. If he betrays us. I'll send his soul straight to hell. And then they're like, good night. And they just close their coffins and go to bed. And even the way you said that, though, is giving the judge more gravity in that situation. Yeah, he says it very casually. Because the way he says it definitely reminds me of, there's a scene in The Room, if you've seen that classically terrible movie, (laughs) where the mom confesses to her daughter that she has breast cancer and she just says, and I have breast cancer and I'm dying. (laughs) And that is the way the judge says, and if he betrays us, I'll send his soul straight to hell. Yeah, like it would just be a casual... No big deal. A casual day. The other thing is just Van Meer is one of my favorite parts because he doesn't make any sense. I don't know why he shows up. Van Meer is the Nazi hunter vampire. He's just like a kooky old man. He's tiny. And he's like, I kill kill Nazis. And he's like, I'm just looking for Nazis to kill. It's like, you're just driving around Maine killing Nazis? What's happening? Anyways, there's a part near the end of the movie where the judge is all full vampire and he's all blue and melty. giant head is so huge and bulbous. Yeah, it's it's gross. Um, But... Old Van Meer pops in and he's like, I'm just going to shoot this dude. Yeah. So he shoots the head vampire till his gun's out of bullets or almost out. It's like halfway out. He shoots like three or four shots. But 
the head vampire just jumps off the stage and it's like, you can't hurt me. I'm a vampire. And he just starts walking towards him. And Van Meer is like, I got to get out of here. So he turns around, but he doesn't run. Instead, he, he shoots himself in the stomach mm-hmm. and then just dies. Instant die. Mm-hmm. And the head vampire is like, well, okay, <laughs> whatever. And both of us were like, did he just Right. So Van Meer is in this part of the movie and then he, he shoots himself. Uh, in the stomach and dies when the head vampire tries to get him and you're like well okay i guess that's the end of it then joe and jeremy kill the head vampire with the flagpole and the american flag because wow and then they're <laughs> leaving and all the vampires in salem's lot are like after them and they're like mm-hmm. oh we're gonna fucking die also you could tell they were really out of money because like the sun is coming up but no one seems to care so they're running around they're still chasing shit's them. going bad and a bus pulls up and it's Van Meer and he opens the bus door and they're like, I thought you were dead. And he looks at him and he goes, suicide is for Nazi sons of bitches. <laughs> and then they get on the bus and the movie ends. That's how it, it's classic. <laughs> Hello. How else would you want a movie like this to end? I think it's perfect. I agree with you in that somebody clearly had a vampire story they wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. So they slapped the name Salem's Lot on it to get this thing made. And I assume it was Larry Cohen because he wrote the movie. But um, yeah, and then it's sort of built around these like one-liners. And the rest of the script just feels like they just kind of painted it in by numbers. They were like, well, all right, yeah. Joe hates everybody. So we'll just kind of get him here to here. And his kid's an asshole. So he'll just say fuck you for like the first half of the movie. And then he'll marry Tara Reid. Yeah. I will say, I bet back in 87 when this movie got made, the idea of like a civilized type vampire <laughs> revolutionary existed, but wasn't like widespread because the vampires of my childhood are scary, basically zombies that suck your blood. Like right. the person, the intelligence is gone. Yeah. So. Somebody was like, hey, I have an idea. Like, what if there was a whole town of vampires and they like <laughs> fucking churned blood, blood at night or blood something. Cows. I was going to say blood butter, but I could blood butter blood. It's hard. Anyways. Bloody butter. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I try it. I think that's where the idea probably came to light and then just got fucking wrung out, destroyed because, oh, man, I just. Oh, delightful. I loved it. I had so much fun watching too. it because it's so bizarre and everything and all the grand the scheme of things. It doesn't people. really matter that it's a Salem's Lot thing, but yeah. I'm happy that Salem's Lot brought me to yes. this stupid movie. Yes. It's so much fun to watch. Like I think we should pair it with that Freddy Friday the thirteenth movie that we watched. Jason lives. Jason lives. Yeah. And watch those back to back and just like scream I laugh think we pair it with it. the rage carry too which is equally dumb I, th- I liked this better though I did too but I'm just saying it would be a good double feature okay. of Stephen okay. King's shitty sequels well it's delightful and I'll never I'll never get over that dad asking his kid if he got laid <laughs> by a, their fucking their children Ugh. right it's just and Tara so Reid went on the star in like 14 Sharknado movies, but I bet even she looks back at this and is like, why Why did my parents let me be I in mean, that movie? It's not like they showed them having anything close to sex. Yeah, you There's, nodded off there, but there was a no, whole shut preteen up. sex scene. Shut up. 
They were. And Tara they like, kept going. I've been doing this for a while. You're not ew, doing it right. Creepy. They're. <laughs> But it was nice because after they finished, uh, Jeremy had cigarettes. Yeah, so it, it really worked out in the end. Just the classic <laughs> lying in bed smoking a cigarette. A return to Salem's Lot, though, I recommend it just because it's so bizarre. You, yes. You, you got to see it. It's so fucking funny. Yes. I loved it. All right. Let's talk our last adaptation, Salem's Lot 2004. Yes. This was released on TNT, another miniseries take on King's book. It was directed by Michael Solomon, who I didn't realize this, but he did like Backdraft and a bunch of movies in the 90s that I really enjoyed. Uh, he did Band of Brothers. He won like an Emmy for Band of Brothers. The HBO one? Mm-hmm. Oh. So Michael Solomon, the director, a talented guy. But this movie, uh, it's got a big cast. Rob Lowe as Ben Mears. Uh, Samantha Mathis as Susan Norton. Rutger Hauer as Kurt Barlow, Donald Sutherland as Richard Straker, Andre Brogger as Matt Burke, and James Cromwell as Father Callahan. Those are all... That'll do, pig. That'll do. But those are all well-known names. Yeah. Uh, and then they also updated this movie. It takes place in the 2000s, mm-hmm. not the 70s. And some of that works, and some of it I'm not so sure it really works, but I didn't mind the updating... I think that's of fine. the story. Yeah. Um, the plot, kind of like 1979, the gist of it is the same. Yep. It's bookended differently, uh, and there's obviously the the real details of it are are a bit different as well. But the the basic gist is there. Either way, we'll run through the plot real quick. Salem's 04 opens with Ben finding Father Callahan. He starts to beat the shit out of him. They get into a fight. They both end up They're in the hobos. hospital. Well, they're both kind of in hiding, hunting each other. Anyways, they end up in the hospital, and the nurse is all like, you're a dick, Ben Mears. And Ben Mears is like, Jerusalem's lot. I have to tell you about Jerusalem's lot. And then uh, Ben Mears proceeds to poorly narrate the rest of the movie. Uh, He goes to Jerusalem's lot to write a book, use the Morrison house as an inspiration, uh, but Straker and Barlow already have it so there's that he connects with susan norton ralphie glick eventually dies weird stuff starts happening people are like oh no i think they're vampires yeah um there's a bunch of stuff in there that lengthens this already too long miniseries uh mark and susan break into the marson house they get caught by straker mark gets out susan gets taken to barlow Ben Mark, Callahan, Cody, they all eventually team up to hunt vampires. They find that Susan has been turned. Ben hopes that killing Barlow will set Susan free. Uh, So they go about trying to, you know, find old old Barlow. Uh, He shows up. He kills Mark's mom, and he turns Father Callahan into a servant. Father Callahan goes on to kill Matt Burke. Vampire hunters eventually realize... That Barlow is at uh, Eva's. Mm-hmm. And so they go there. Jimmy Cody, who's in this movie, unlike the 79 version, uh, he falls on the booby trap. He dies. It sounded like you said poopy trap. It could have been a poopy trap. <laughs> poopy trap. But it was a booby trap. Uh, so Jimmy gets killed. Mark and Ben then kill Barlow. This does not turn Susan back to pretty little Susie Norton. So Ben has to kill her. Ben and Mark set the house on fire as they're on their way out, which is obviously going to sweep through the town, just like in the 79 version. 
flashback to current time. As it turns out, Ben's been telling this story the whole time as a distraction. Mm. Mark sneaks in. He kills old servant Father Callahan. Then he goes in, and he's like, Ben, it's done. You can rest peacefully now. And then Ben, instead of going, okay, let me get better, and let's go on an adventure or something, he just goes, okay, and he has a heart attack and dies. And so Ben Mears dies and leaves Mark all alone at the end of the movie. Uh, Weird choice. Yeah. Strangely, this movie, a bit more accurate to the book. Mm -hmm. Obviously, all the names are there. Yep. It's bookended differently, mainly because I think they updated the story, so they wanted to give it kind of a different start and finish. Yeah. But the gist of it is a little bit more... Along the lines of the book. Right. Um, which I think is a good thing. That's one of the things I enjoyed about it. It's just not very well made. And and Rob Lowe is bad in this. He's so bad. You mean A-list actor Rob Lowe? He is at best B-list. <laughs> We've argued about this before. <laughs> Anyways, Rob Lowe, he just doesn't play like a straight guy very well, and he's not a good narrator. It's just, he is so bad in this. He is the narrator. He wears a lot of jackets. Yeah. And he has um, that, that fucking 90s Rob Lowe hair. He does. It, but he it's looks early like 2000s he, it Rob It looks Lowe like he hair. should be in a really bad new metal band every time he's on screen. He does not he look like a writer. He looks like he fronts. Was briefly in Goo Goo Dolls. I wish that was true. <laughs> he does. Rob Lowe fronts Buckcherry. Not a lot of people know that, but he definitely <laughs> does. Um, so, yeah, I know I'm already shitting on this thing, but we started with low lights for 79, too, so whatever. Um, I did not like that Jimmy, Dr. Jimmy Cody, gets wrapped up in kind of this weird subplot where he's having sex yeah. with Bonnie. He's boffing the Bond. Right, and that, that was weird to me. Um, Mark doesn't have a dad in this. I don't know why both movies don't want Mark to have pleasant parents because that part is so important in the book. But the both eight. movies are like, okay, the first set, hate him. And then in 04, single mom because dads aren't around in the 2000s. That's true. But I, f I do feel like up until maybe like 10 years ago, parents were always, if there was a kid that was a main character, their parents fucking sucked. Right. I, I mean, or it was like true. a single parent. Right. Or they're, yeah, I, I don't know why it happened. And then, because Mark doesn't have a dad, they can't slow-mo smash his parents' heads together, so Such Barlow just breaks uh, his just mom's neck. <laughs> but I would have preferred, like, a slow-mo kiss scene again, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Kiss. It's just kind of weird stuff all in here. I, I don't know that... The, the details of this movie, weirdly enough, even though they're more similar to the book, bothered me more here because right. they, they just sort of feel hollow. Like they got all the right looking people, but mm -hmm. no one who understood the story and or cared about it. So this did any the 2004 I version just feels weirdly hollow. Although I will say I enjoyed the Donald Sutherland as Straker, Rutger Hauer as Barlow combo. Yeah. Even though from what I've read, Rutger Howard literally had no idea what this movie was. He couldn't remember his no. line. <laughs> he showed up apparently and gave a monologue about being a cowboy. And they were like, that's not going to work. You're a vampire. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Well, just tell me what to say. And so Rutger Howard, the most disconnected of all of them, is probably the best part in this because he's just such a good fit for Barlow. Pulled it off. <laughs> go, Rutger, go. Yeah. 
What did you not like about this? I, I know you kind of enjoyed this more than you did the 79 version, but I know there's some stuff here that didn't I, work. I did because it was a little bit more true to the book. Um, I liked the way Eva was portrayed because in the original movie, they kind of made them out, Eva and um, Weasel, out to be kind of sh shady and they're not like I really enjoyed Eva's character in the book and I thought they did a good job with her in this particular iteration right um I liked Donald Sutherland as Straker even though that's not how I imagined Straker looking right um I oh, I, I kind of like what you said while we were watching it which is that I actually think James Cromwell would make a really good Straker yeah he would have. He's got the tall, thin, kind of weird kind look. Kind of bald. Mm -hmm. He would have been a great striker. That'll do, vampire. It doesn't really work as well, but no. we could. That'll do, vamp. Love yeah. that. No. I, I, you know, a striker is. We still call them pigs. We could just. Say yeah, that'll do. We could have. They are basically pigs. Mm, yeah. Something to eat. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do still think though on that like in all the movies Straker talks so much and it's yeah. like yeah he does speak in the book but he's not a talker yeah I think Barlow is in this movie for maybe five minutes yeah maybe yeah he's good I mean Rucker Howard is good in it but he's barely in it it's definitely more Sutherland doing his Sutherland mm -hmm. thing I wonder if Rutger was just real fucked up or something yeah clearly he thought it was a cowboy movie i know uh rob lowe talked about it in rob lowe's memoir yes. and how i just well it's hard to trust that. that book because the first half of it was why he had the same haircut for most of his life <sighs> rob lowe all right i asked about what you didn't like mm -hmm. and you told me a bunch of things you do like so tell me what you didn't like here Oh, wait, I almost forgot the best part of the entire movie. Right, you're, you're still going against what I asked you, but go on. <laughs> I want to say Rob Lowe the entire time is driving a white Isuzu rodeo from the early 2000s, and I loved it because I had a 2000 black Isuzu rodeo, and I loved that car, and seeing this car on screen so much, it was constant. They did show it a lot. It was Everywhere, Isuzu must every have time, paid money to be. Every in time this. it showed up, you would squeal, and I think that's the only reason you stayed awake through <laughs> this because the '79 version, so you were struggling, and here we are now. I, I, every time it was I'll like it was perfectly it. placed. I bet it was on. If we knew what it was like with commercials, I bet it was after every commercial break. I bet there was an Isuzu rodeo commercial, and then they would come back and show the rodeo, so that you would be like. Ben Mears drives one. Yeah. I'm going to drive one, yeah. but the movie's not good enough. They sold zero cars hey. based on this movie. Give me stuff that you did not like, and then we'll talk things we both liked. Okay. Um. Nothing. You loved it. I loved all of it. <laughs> no. Uh, I didn't like that Jimmy was boning Bonnie. I thought right. it, it was cheapened like his character. Yeah, it was like weird drama. Yeah. And an already dramatic tale about an entire town being turned into vampires. It was like, oh, by the way, yeah. Jimmy's getting a side piece. Like, okay. There's also a part where uh, Stryker kind of creeps on Eva when she comes to visit the shop and is kind of like 
sexually assaulty towards her, which I'm I gonna did say not like. it takes away from the term sexual assault when you call it sexual, sexual assaulty. assaulty. Okay. Like that sounds like a lighter version. It's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um I there weren't it's not that there were a whole bunch of things that I didn't really like. It's just poorly it's made. It's just yeah, it's just kind of boring like just kind of blah. I yeah. don't remember it's not a an whole inspired, lot about it. It's not an inspired take at all. Yeah, it's so blah. Um, I will say Susan looks I have Susan is literally sixty seven years old. <laughs> because she just looks this actress is beautiful and for some reason she just looks old. In yeah, Susan's supposed to be a bit in her early 20s, and she looks more in her 30s at least. Like mid to late 30s right. or 67. Right. She could have been in her early angle. 70s. It was hard to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also thought this movie had some weird lines that would just kind of come out of nowhere. Like someone gets called a Mugu guy maniac at one point, which I thought Ooh, was racist. Weird. And then at one point, Ben tells. Uh, one of the characters, uh, hey, I'm surprised. I didn't think doctors had penises. And it's oh, like, yeah. who wrote that? Why is that being said? How do you casually say, I didn't think doctors had penises? Like, right. is that a ju- is that supposed to be like... I don't know. Are, are and then what about all the be- doctors who don't have penises? That's really insensitive. I mean... Towards them. Yeah. But the Mugu guy maniac line, I <laughs> thought. I'm surprised you said it multiple times. I'm like, times how did that now? make it on TV? I, Even in 2004, 2004, when no one liked anyone, I'm still like, how did how did that happen? If um, Trader Joe's can have Trader Ming's Asian stuff, oh, then yeah. I'm not surprised that that exists. That's a in Trader in Jose. Yeah, Trader yeah. Jose. Yeah, I guess you're right. My God. Um, anyways, here are some things I, I did like. I mentioned that I really liked Howard as Barlow, Sutherland as Straker. Um, I thought the updating of the story actually did do some cool stuff for it. Um, I like that Barlow, I'm sorry, uh, Straker mentions that they do most of their business online. Classic. And that's a really great fit for a fancy antique store in a middle of nowhere town. Mm-hmm. It's a better front to say, well, we sell everything online. I, I like that. That's a n- not nice little detail. And do you know in 2004, it was all eBay. Definitely right. not Amazon. Well, yeah. So um, I also did appreciate that the, the movie does take a good amount of time to explore kind of some of the underlying weirdness of small town mm-hmm. Maine you know the the couple that's abusing their baby yeah I did not think that needed to be accelerated into the Jimmy stuff but that's there the mean bus driver who, yeah. which ultimately results in your favorite scene from out the, of the book. out of the book yep. which is when all the kids kill the bus driver on the Hooray! on the bus um love it the vampire kids we should say yes um, yeah, and Crockett abuses his daughter. Ones. Like, there's that underlying yeah. creepiness throughout the whole movie that I, I kind of feel like outside of the Boom Boom Bonnie scene in the first movie is just sort of missing from the 79 version. But it's pretty prevalent here in the 04 version. I like that. I feel like most Stephen King novels, the towns themselves are kind of sick right. every time. And it's really hard to get that across in a movie 
because the subtleties aren't there. Right. So the fact that you were able to notice it in the 2004 version says a lot. I mean, right. you it, just got to sprinkle in the creepy to make <laughs> you feel even creepier. They did throw in this stuff, which I, I did like. It's just, again, it's like poorly acted. It's poorly written. It's there. It's just not inspired in any way. It's not well done. But I appreciate that they at least did sprinkle that in. Because mm-hmm. that is definitely littered in the book. It's just this like underlying tone that, oh, yeah, there's vampires here and there's all this evilness but it was already and there was a history of it before it was already a dirty evil little town with all of these secrets you know and it was primed and ready to the 04 version does a much better job of showcasing that whereas in the 79 version it's more about the house is evil the Mm -hmm. house attracts evil the house makes people do things and the 04 version was people are just assholes and then the return to Salem's lot. Right. As it turns out, the vampires are nice people. Pretty cool times, y'all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the 04 version of this is uninspired. It's kind of poorly done. I'm bummed it's that I not... remember it the least. Because mm. it, it's forgetful. It, yeah, it's it didn't forgettable. piss me off as much, but it, it didn't have... Yeah, it's just whatever. Yeah, it just doesn't do enough with the source material to be memorable. Yeah. It just exists. Um, but if you're a kid and you don't feel like reading the book, watch this <laughs> version. Some of it's going to confuse the hell out of yeah. you on the test, but don't worry it's about true. it. It's you'll, true. You'll do kind of okay. All right. So those are the three adaptations. Mm-hmm. Rank them for me best to worst. Okay. I'm going... A Return to Salem's Lot, number one. It's the most fun to watch. Yes, 100%. I agree. And then number two, I'm going to do 2004 Salem's Lot because I did stay awake for the whole thing. And you hate the 79 version. number three, the 79 version was fucking god-awful, and I hated it so much. I mean, I'm going to go A Return to Salem's Lot at the top because it's too much fun to not adore. Uh, number two is 79, though. It's a better made movie, regardless of everything it changed and some other oddities. 2004 is just so forgettable. It, I just don't care about it at all. Um, so there is another version of Salem's Lot coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's going to be out due to this whole pandemic thing, but it's uh, going to be directed by Gary Dauberman. He wrote both chapters of the new It movie. I have faith in him then. Right? Yes. I like... The idea of this being a movie. Yeah, I agree. Not a miniseries. I, I think agree. there's a lot here that they could shore up and mm-hmm. just, I think Time's the mini, like, I actually feel like it needs to either be a series, like a 10 to 12 episode season of something, or a movie. And they need to either take the time to build all of these characters and all the town and all of its weird little subplots, or they need to just get down to the vampires. Like the miniseries format here, I don't think really works that well. Mm -mm. It's like you can't get it. It's like you have to move too fast, but the action isn't like enough in the book until the second half. So it just doesn't work well in a miniseries situation. And there is a shorter version of the 79 that aired in the UK that's like two hours. But why didn't we watch that one? Because I read it wasn't very good. And we have to. We had Guess to watch what? the full one. I read that 
in my brain that the first one isn't very good because it wasn't. <laughs> so I would have much rather watched that. All right. Anyways. To be fair, we didn't know it was going to be terrible. I still don't think it was I know. terrible. I know you don't. All okay. right. So we know which ones we liked, which ones we really didn't like, apparently. To each her own. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like Carrie was properly adapted by De Palma. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Salem's Lot has got a proper adaptation yet. No, I would agree with that. Uh, Maybe it will happen with this next version. We'll come back and we'll do a special Room 237 to talk about that whenever it's out in, I don't know, 10 years. That would be years. nice. I'm ready for vampires to go back to being scary again. Right. I'm They're still too sexy. Tired of them being sexy. Though I don't mind the sexy vampire, like What's Up, Alexander Skarsgård and True Blood. But it's just it's just not as it's not that scary. Mm. So I liked Salem's Lot because it was those scary fucking vampires that I had nightmares about when I was a kid. Mm. Um, I mean, that's fair. In the book, at least. Right. None of the movies made the vampires scary at all. I would like to see in all. this new version, Bella show up. I just think it would be oh, cool. Get out of here with that. She fixes her hair a lot. Oh, my God. She's Susie Norton. She's fixing her hair a lot. I then Robert you. Pattinson comes in and he's like, hey. I'm a writer. What's up? I'm Barlow. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah? You into that? I don't know. We God, might need it got to, real dark in We here might need too. to wrap this podcast right <laughs> now. Um, all right. So watch your return to Salem's Lot because it's ridiculous and so funny. Yes. It has nothing to do with the Wonderful. book. Just watch it because it's so yes. funny. Uh, if you really want a nice adaptation, I don't think one exists currently. No, it doesn't. So, that's, so read the book instead. Yeah, read the book. It starts slow, but it picks up. It's you a love quick the whole read. thing. I love um, the whole thing. You know, uh, listen to Room 217 if you want to hear us talk about the book. That too. Otherwise, we're moving on to The Shining. Yay! I love The Shining. There are, there's obviously the book, but there is one movie, mm-hmm. one miniseries. Easy. We just got two to rip through on this next one. Um, I love the movie, always have. And I remember the miniseries when I was a kid, and I remember liking it. So I guess we'll see if it holds up. I I told you earlier, I found a version, a torrent, that has the commercials from the original broadcast in it. Which I... I hope when we do mini series or TV shows that we can find them, that we like can that. find them so with good. the commercials because I want to see those 80s, 90s, right. 70s. Commercials. I haven't checked out the quality of it yet, but hopefully it's not awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet it's like VHS quality. It probably looks like shit, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, but we're moving on to The Shining. Read The Shining, watch yeah. The Shining movies, and then join us and we'll, we'll I recommend we're run through them. Reading The Shining. If you haven't seen the movie, I know most people probably have because it's so well regarded. Yeah, it's a huge It's hit. a classic. Um, but for me, I I read this book a while ago and I read it before I had really seen The Shining. And uh, I mean, I don't want to say that at that point I had the same reaction as Stephen King did. I do like the movie, but. If you're able, read that book because <laughs> it's so good. And well, we're I, we gonna shouldn't read talk it. about it. I'm sorry. We're going to read it. I'm sorry. We're going to read it and then talk about it. I'm like halfway through, so you better catch up yeah, I'll get on there. this read through. All right. That's it. Thanks for hanging out with us as we talked about these adaptations of Salem's Lot. Uh, our, the Carrie shows are up. Yep. If you miss those, the Salem's Lot book one is up. And then, like I said, we're off to the shiny. Yeah. And we'll 
see you next time on Room 217. It's Room 237. No. This, this show is 237. Yeah, but the next episode will be Room 217. Yeah, you got a good point. <sighs> okay, bye. bye. <laughs>